0: The SaaS Universe podcast is brought to you by Efficient Capital Labs. Realize your future revenue today. landscape of the business world, there are individuals who stand out as beacons of inspiration and wisdom. Shisha, a seasoned entrepreneur and investor, is one such remarkable figure. Shisha's story doesn't just end with his entrepreneurial achievements. Recognizing the importance of mentorship and giving back to the startup community, he embraced the role of a guiding light for aspiring founders. With a wealth of knowledge and a deep understanding of the Indo-US startup ecosystem, Shreesha became a mentor, sharing his wisdom and expertise with countless young entrepreneurs. His ability to see beyond the surface and grasp the underlying dynamics of the business landscape has earned him a reputation as a thought leader and a trusted advisor. Shreesha is now working on an exciting new venture in Stealthboard. With his experience and success in starting and exiting multiple startups, the anticipation for his next endeavor is sky high. But that's not what this podcast is about. Instead, let's rewind back to the very beginning of his journey in the startup world.
1: It all started back in 99, 2000, when I was part of the early team at Yodly. And Yodly was a, a FinTech platform. And had a was a phenomenal experience because we invented a technology, a term that industry today knows as screen scraping. And so, Phenomenal exposure in terms of technology, management, the hype during dot-com era. And then decided to come out of Yodli and do more than engineering. And so went over to the dark side, which is sales. Did a couple of sales stints, and I wanted to be on the other side of the table because I was an entrepreneur. I said, let me see how the world looks like. And yeah, it was eye-opening when I was able to speak to a lot of founders when I was doing due diligence on what to acquire. That phase was really exciting. What became boring is afterwards when you have to operationalize the acquisition. That journey 1st time was amazing. I recently started another startup called Lumber, which is a workforce management platform for construction industry. We've not launched the product still, but yeah, excited to do my next startup. And then along the way, I've always been a big supporter of the whole startup ecosystem. So started the uh, supporting other founders first by actually going in and helping with their go to market strategies and tactics figuring out what's a growth hack figuring out what personas to target figuring out what segments to go after and then decided to do more than just advising and so started investing my first investment which is mercado which is which is now big unicorn and doing extremely well and then yeah and then got to investing in Indo US corridor which happened more recently. I'm really excited to see how in the Indo-US corridors, entrepreneurs are just shining. The companies like Morph.ai, SuperSend AI, Air are doing phenomenally well. So really excited to be part of the Indo-US startup ecosystem because I think this is the golden era for Indo-US startup ecosystem.
0: In the ever-evolving landscape of Indo-US startups, Shisha witnessed a remarkable trend unfold. The migration of Indian and Asian origin professionals to leadership positions in major companies has played a significant role in driving innovation. This migration has not only fueled the growth of Indian startups but has also sparked a surge in the number of unicorns in the country. With over 80 unicorns in India, a staggering 80% of them emerging in the last five years, the startup ecosystem is thriving. Shrisha, as an investor, recognizes the unique opportunities presented by this trend. His keen eye for innovation has led him to invest in companies that have achieved remarkable success.
1: I'm a big believer that Indo-US ecosystem startups in the Indo-US corridor are here, not only here to stay, but are here to thrive. And I've been traveling back to Asia almost every year and meeting with entrepreneurs. And I can clearly see the change in mindset between my generation when we were back in Asia versus the generation that's coming out today. To take risk today is embraced. Whereas in my era, we were, um, most of us, we were from middle-class family where we were taught to be watchful of every step that we take and make sure that with every step, there's no risk at all. And so from there today, this generation that's coming out of colleges, they are more risk taker because of the financial condition they are in. Most of their parents are in IT job or in in job that has afforded them to provide best in class education to their kids. They are exposed to newer technologies right from their colleges get go because of internet and television and different media. The access to technology know-how is evened out in the world. So that exposure is of highest order. So they basically are not at all disadvantaged over somebody in West. We still remember back in colleges, our labs were considered way more primitive than an equivalent lab in West. That difference has now gone away. And so that's basically the reason why the young kids who are coming out of colleges are born risk takers there. Risk comes easily to them and they start exploring. And because of their technology acumen, they're able to figure out which gap to go after. And so that's the reason why we have seen a tremendous rise in Indian entrepreneurship where previously the mindset was I'll go and take up a job versus now I need to be independent and every year it manifests in even a stronger way. Like last visit of India, I was really surprised when a lot of the entrepreneurs in India were saying that they can easily scale up to four to five million in revenue in B2B from India and neighboring countries. And then when they have to scale, they have to obviously look at Europe and US and that's when they start spreading their wings. But basically up to four five here and there million revenue, they can just get it from local businesses, which is amazing.
0: When evaluating founders, Srisha looks for that unwavering dedication and the ability to treat every dollar invested as invaluable. For Srisha, it's not about play money or mere experimentation. It's about meticulously planning for success and refusing to back down. As he continues to identify and nurture exceptional founders, Srisha's mission is to empower and guide them through the challenges and triumphs of the startup world.
1: I'm a big believer that Ideas are dime a dozen and everything can be overlooked except the founder's desire to succeed. So well, I'm talking to the founders. I'm generally looking at how passionate is the founder, how much the founder is committed to being an entrepreneur and is founder treating the money as investor money or his or her own money. Because if, if they feel that it's a play money, they experiment and based on whether it gets validated or not, they will then continue the entrepreneurship journey, then it's not for me. A founder is like, this money is valuable, I understand it, and I'm going to go about it in a planned way, but I'm here to succeed. I'll not go down. This is not just an experiment. This is an experiment that's being designed to succeed. That attitude goes a long way, and so I always bet on founders. If you even look at all the phenomenally success companies all had one thing in common. They have had phenomenal founders. And so that makes a big difference. And so that's why I'm all about founders. And usually in the first meeting, within 15 minutes, I make a decision whether I'm going to back the founder or not. And there have been numerous instances where I've stopped the founder. I said, I know what it is all about. And I've decided to back you. And the founders are generally surprised. If the founder expresses in any way that I know it all and I don't need any help, then I stay away. But if founder is prudent, the founder understands that odds are stacked against a startup. And so founders need to be selfish, need to be egoless in terms of accepting help from anywhere. In terms of desire to learn, I've seen more openness among the founders, but how do they take advantage of it, that's not common. So, for example, I was asked some time ago, how do I deal with uncertainty or ambiguity? And my response was, I jump in and iterate as fast as I can and learn from the data that's coming out of the iteration. I've always treated failure as nothing but data from which you can learn.
0: Being a continuous learner is fundamental for any founder navigating the ever-changing startup landscape. The entrepreneurial journey's core is the ability to learn from failures and find the most efficient pathway to success. Shisha's insights serve as truth bombs, encapsulating the essence of successful entrepreneurship. Passion, continuous learning, and the ability to inspire others are the ingredients that transform a startup into a transformative force.
1: Best founders are more of missionary tribe than mercenary type. Mercenary in terms of like pirates, right? Everybody likes to hear those adventurous stories, stories of a swash pirate who is out there to conquer and all of that. But a few of them succeed. Folks who are really passionate about their cause and evangelize it well, those are the founders who do nominally well in breaking new barriers.
0: Driven by a desire to explore beyond engineering, Shreesha embraced the so-called dark side and ventured into the realm of sales. This pivotal decision marked a turning point in his career as he sought to understand the intricacies of customer engagement and the art of persuasion. Little did he know that his foray into sales would shape his perspective and pave the way for his future as a mentor and investor.
1: When I was managing engineering, when I was in the engineering team, we engineers, we love to curse the sales guys and the reason we love cursing them is because we would say they would bring all different types of customers, they'll promise everything in the world and then the burden of implementation is on us and we have to somehow make them succeed and so that's why the product teams, the engineering teams, they always look at sales guys as the dark side, the guys who will do anything for earning their commission and promise the heck out of the whole thing. And so when I decided to go into sales, my motive was I wanted to be an all rounded entrepreneur. And I felt I need to understand the mindset of a prospect, mindset of a customer, and what it takes to actually convince somebody to use your product. Because if you think about it in an organization, only the sales guys have the burden of convincing somebody outside of their organization. The rest of all the functional areas, they generally have to deal with internal validation or or convincing internal folks to buy into an idea. Sales are the only guys who have to influence external folks, stakeholders. That's where sales is extremely challenging and I wanted to understand what that challenge was all about and learn how to sell. And so jumped into it and I'm glad that I did that because that transformed me. Because I first understood that, that selling is not easy because you have to develop thick skin. You will hear a lot more no's than yes and you will feel more defeated at times and winning seem to be far and few in between. And so that's why I say you have to develop thick skin. But on the other hand, you know, the adrenaline rush that you feel when you get a deal is, is out of this world. And so from there, I realized the important about how to be an effective salesperson, you have to think about value add. What's the value add you're contributing to the other person? And then in the same theme, you have to craft a win-win relationship. If you just think about winning yourself, then you'll never be a good salesperson. And learning sales is extremely important because when you start a company, you are a founder of an early startup. You have to do sales, initial sales yourself. And it's called as zero sales. So basically, you are using your passion for that topic, for that subject, because your product is not, not gone mainstream yet in an early startup. You would not even have strong demo You'll not even have salespeople to help. And so it's just your sheer passion that has to convince the buyer that they need to invest in your product. And the other thing is that as a CEO, this is all for all the founders who are CEO, you're selling all the time. You're not just selling your product. You're selling the vision to your employees. You're selling the vision to your investors. So you're selling all the time. And so that's the reason why I'm saying that it was a wise decision to Go and experience sales firsthand, and I would recommend all that, that they go through that journey.
0: Shaped by what he has learned from diverse professional ventures as well as his personal journey as a founder, Srisha brings immense value to the table, not only as an investor, but as a mentor who truly understands the journey of early stage entrepreneurs. Srisha noticed there's been an evolution in thinking among Indian founders when it comes to seeking advice and guidance. While there was once reluctance to bring on mentors, founders now recognize the importance of go-to-market experts and growth hackers, especially when it comes to expanding into the U.S. market.
1: A few years back, when I used to find that founders were reluctant to bring on advisors on board, that was because they felt that seeking help would be like admitting to a mistake. Or admitting to weakness i've seen now changing especially when it comes to us go to market because every other founder now wants to spread their wings go beyond india and us is obviously a big market they all want to participate and then a lot of founders realize that sitting in india it's very difficult to push sales so they start applying for uh come out to us and then the struggle is to ramp up quickly so that you can take advantage of local situation and that's not been easy and so that's where go-to-market experts or growth hacking expert will go a long way and i will say both skills are required go-to-market and growth hacking go-to-market is basically identifying which markets to go after running diligently experiments that will tell you which channel which campaign is working what messaging is working and then provides you clues on what could scale and what are the campaigns to plan. Uh, Growth hacking, on the other hand, basically not leveraging the tactics that are well known. It's out of the box thinking, thinking about how can we get the product in the hands of maximum people, then how to drive adoption so that the growth is rocket ship and not just linear growth. And so that's a much tougher skill than go to market. Um, A lot of people may adopt a tag of growth hacker. Trust me, that's a more difficult skill to find. So because, you know, for a good growth hacker, you not only need to know about what are the viral tactics that could work, but you have to know enough about the product so that you can pick the right kind of tactic. So that's where my suggestion to founders is like, as early as possible, try to seek, go to market and, and growth hacking help.
0: Finding an investor for a founder with unwavering conviction and an exceptional product can seem like a straightforward task. However, a significant obstacle stands in the way. Equity. When it comes to funding, many founders are often unaware of revenue-based financing as equity-based financing tends to grab the spotlight due to its valuation aspect. Shrisha would have interesting insights on both funding formats, considering his experience as a founder and his involvement with ECL and equity investments.
1: I would say the knowledge and exposure to revenue-based financing was very limited before. And that is changing and it's also in some ways accelerated because of the times that we are in right now. Because equity-based funding may not be easily available. And so the way I look at it is in an early startup, equity is cheap versus dollar because revenue is not much there and you have plenty of equity to distribute. But as the company matures and you now have a decent amount of revenue, equity becomes very expensive because you as a founder, as employees, you don't want to be diluted more. If you get diluted a lot, then you're not working for yourself. You're not independent, you're working for somebody else. So that hits you at that time and that's when you look for alternate funding mechanisms and i see more and more startups now taking advantage of this when they have revenue and they need a capital infusion to do growth or to leverage an opportunity that is in front of them and no point in going for equity financing at that time because it may take a lot of time and they may not have that time or it just be available because at the valuation that the vcs are offering it may just dilute the heck out of the founders because it may take a lot, a lot of time and they may not have that time, that's where revenue-based financing comes really handy because you can then opt for those instruments, get in the money that you need to go and conquer new geographic regions or to leverage a new opportunity that comes your way.
0: With all the interesting insights and truth bombs that Shisha has dropped, we couldn't help but be curious to know what current knowledge and wisdom Srisha would impart to his younger self if he could go back in time to the late 1990s or early 2000s. His journey has taught us the importance of embracing opportunities, learning from failures, and continuously evolving in the fast-paced world of entrepreneurship. And as we reflect on this remarkable story, we eagerly await the pearls of wisdom he would share with his younger self, knowing that they would undoubtedly inspire and guide the next generation of aspiring founders.
1: One thing I've learned is, you know, wisdom comes to you either because of time, over the time you just become wiser, or there's a different way of acquiring wisdom, which is to get exposed to as many scenarios as possible. And so if I were to give an advice to myself, go back in time machine, I would say, be proactive in embracing. Any scenario, any opportunity that comes your way, don't be afraid of failing. You get exposed to different scenarios, your learning will be exponential. And again, I go back to what I said, failure is a data from which you can learn. You know, people should look at failure as not as, I have failed. People should look at failure as, I have not yet learned. So that then would change the perspective of how you look at failure and you will not be afraid to fail. You will not see it as a social taboo. I would say that valley in US has become a valley because failure here is a badge of honor. You have failed, that means you are now wiser. Your hunger to succeed has gone up. Your exposure has gone up. So path to success is rarely a straight line and there is no substitute to taking the first step and you will take first step if you're not afraid of failure. If you're afraid of failure, then you'll always run away from risk and that first step will not happen and then there is no line. Forget about a straight line. If you start a company, that means you have already come into the world that's more risky than being employed elsewhere. And so you have embraced risk and now it's a matter of, you know, have you given a specific time frame? Have you attached a time frame? for that or it's basically till I succeed. I have rarely seen founders who have given themselves specific time by which to, you know, either they succeed or they go and take up a job. Founders who are like, I will succeed. It's just a matter of persistence and learning. Those are the people who generally make it because they are not afraid of trying again and again. They are not afraid of going back to the drawing board. They're not afraid of giving up on an idea which they are seeing much traction but they're willing to come up with another idea. The other thing I always recommend CEOs or founders to think about is if a company is successful, it's because of the team. If the company has failed, it's because of the CEO. So, what I'm leading with that is the importance of having a good team. I have always suggested founders that think about it in a team, don't put the pressure burden on you doing everything. Because if you put pressure on yourself that I am the one who has to make it, I'm the one who has to succeed, then the fear of failure will be more intense. But when you have a team with you where you can share ideas, where you can collaborate, where you can help each other in, in down times, that is when you know chances of success go up and you are willing to take more risks. I firmly believe that if you have more eyes on a problem, then there is more likely the chance of you finding a unique solution.
0: Shisha's story is one that embodies the power of mentorship. Through his experiences in engineering, sales, and founding successful startups, Shisha has gained a deep understanding of the intricacies of the business world. His journey has taught him the value of go-to-market strategies, growth hacking, and the importance of revenue-based financing. But perhaps most importantly, it has instilled in him a belief in the power of mentorship and the impact it can have on aspiring entrepreneurs. As a mentor, Shisha has selflessly shared wisdom and expertise guiding countless founders on their own entrepreneurial journeys. He understands the value of embracing failure as a stepping stone to success and encourages others to approach challenges with a mindset of continuous learning and resilience. His journey reminds us that entrepreneurship is not just about building successful ventures, but about making a lasting impact and empowering the next generation of innovators. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning into the SAS Universe podcast. And remember, if you're looking for non-dilutive capital to help grow your business, Efficient Capital Labs is here to help. With their unique approach, you can receive up to 60% of your projected revenue as upfront capital, and all within just three days. So don't wait. Head to www.ecaplabs.com to learn more and get started today. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the show.